0: He is still the answer for a world that's longing and seeking for Him. I have, years ago, discovered the little bumper sticker, the little placard, the little motto that, uh, that says, Wise Men Still Seek Him. It's on our bulletin. We've got bulletins in the back, and you may uh, pick yours up there or out in the foyer. Those of you that are viewing online, if you just tap in the right place, you can get your digital copy of this very important bulletin. Wise men still seek Him. And I thought to myself, now for many years, I don't want to be a fool. And I don't know too many people who on purpose got up this morning, looked in the mirror, and said, today my goal is to be the biggest fool on the planet. But if you reject the grace of God through the one we've just sung about, Jesus, 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 then you have achieved that unwanted goal. You are the biggest fool on the face of this planet. If you are a born-again believer and you're trying to live outside of the perfect will of God, which is revealed in This perfect Bible. We know every word is inspired and preserved. If you're trying to live outside of the perfect will of God, then, my friend, you also qualify as a great big fool. I don't want to be foolish, and I don't believe you want to be foolish. Wise men still seek Him. I know the story which we've covered in Sunday school and we've referred to frequently is well known. That some men who lived in the east, and I'm going to picture them over here, somewhere in the area of Babylon, ancient Babylon was replete with all kinds of education and and, uh, libraries that contained the books of our Old Testament. Isaiah and Jeremiah's prophecies were found therein. And these men, the Magi, though they have been misrepresented by Hollywood today and made to appear like some kind of mystical secret society that rode around the desert and did mystical things. They were wise men. They were the most educated. They are the ones who could, who could uh, at least speculate the best based upon their broad and vast accumulated knowledge. They knew that something was about to happen because the Scriptures indicated it. God had been silent for 400 years. When... When the Old Testament closed, there was 400 years of silence. Now, there are books known as the Apocrypha that were written during that period, but they are not inspired Word of God. They are merely historical, in some cases, uh, very uh, mythical uh, storybook stories, but, but they are, they're in between the Testaments, and they are not the Word of God. God was silent for 400 years. He had given His final word. He said, I'm going to send my messenger. He's going to come. He had spoken through the prophets and through Isaiah who said that He is going to come. He is going to come. Jesus is coming. And we know, praise God, that Jesus did come. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of the time, they were looking and longing for Him to come. And He came. According to the Scriptures, over 300 prophecies. And He fulfilled these prophecies when He came the first time. And that which has not yet been fulfilled, His second advent, will be fulfilled when He comes again. Come back tonight, or view tonight, and I'm preaching. Jesus is coming again! He came the first time, and He's coming again. He kept His promise the first time. He'll keep that promise, and He's coming again. We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to fear. Are you listening to me? We don't have to have fear. We don't have to worry because faith and perfect faith and perfect love and perfect hope takes care of the fear problem. I'm glad that I've got that faith that's founded on the Word of God. And it just depends if you trust and if you're standing upon the truth of the Word of God. Praise God! Praise God! I'm in His hand. He's got me right there. He's got me right there. I understand people have concerns. You're a human being, you've got concerns. And I understand that people wonder what's gonna happen next. Just stay focused on who's got it all under control. Keep your eye on Jesus, come on! Keep your eye on Jesus. Are you listening to me on YouTube and Facebook? Keep your eye on Jesus. And the good news, those magi, those men in the east, among their many, many studies were the stars. They saw something so unusual. It wasn't the confluence of Saturn and Jupiter and Venus, but it was something special God put up there. And they, they knew that they needed to follow that star. And they followed that star for a long time and through many harrowing places with a great amount of gold, that caravan made its way to Jerusalem and then were directed by the Old Testament prophecy of Micah, Micah 5.2, in Bethlehem of Judea. And they came and they found not the infant Jesus in the stable, but now the young child Jesus, the toddler perhaps, in the house. And it says, after they had been to Jerusalem and they had asked, where is he that's born King of the Jews? We've come to worship him in Matthew chapter 2. Chief priests got together and huddled with Herod and said, it's going to be in Bethlehem. They went on to, to Bethlehem. With these words ringing in their ear from Herod. Wicked Herod, the Edomite. Wicked Herod, who did not love the Jews, who did not love Jesus, who even killed off his own family so they wouldn't take the throne from him. Jealous Herod, who represents everything evil and wicked in this world and is is a type of the devil himself. He said, oh, come back and give me word and tell me where he is so I can come and worship him myself. He didn't worship anybody but himself. He was a deceiver. God warned those those magi not to go back that way. But I want you to see, they, they, they heard the king, they departed. Verse 9, Matthew chapter 2, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. This is not a natural thing. This is a supernatural thing. It went before them. Who in the Old Testament had a fire in the night that led them? God's people. And God prepared something in the sky. I don't know if it looked like a star, but it was, it was that bright thing in the sky that led them. It was prepared by God. It moved and stopped. Just like in the Old Testament. I'm not sure of this. I'm only saying it could be. The very Shekinah glory of God Himself may have been burning brightly in the sky. Because after all, Everything that's holy and good and godly leads us one place. It leads us to Jesus. It is not our hope in universal brotherhood. It is not our hope in good works, the golden rule, the Ten Commandments. It is our faith in total dependence then, now and always upon the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus Christ. He is God in a body. He's the one that's brought us through 2020. He's the one that gave us this wonderful Christmas. He's the one that's going to see us through. And unless He takes us home between now and New Year's, He's going to bring us through New Year's and He's going to give us a brand new year. And 2021, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. I know who's in charge. And I acknowledge Him. I acknowledge Him. Some of our friends and loved ones have gone home to be with Jesus this year. and Maybe we'll be going home soon too. Like the singer John Stallings wrote, there's a whole lot of people going home. Amen. A lot of folks going home. And I don't know exactly what's on the other side, but heaven's better than this. And I don't know exactly what they're doing and saying up there, but it's better than what's down here. And in the meantime, we keep our eye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and He leads us by faith day by day. If He led the wise men and brought them to Himself, then He'll lead you. If you've never come to God through Christ, you can come to God through Christ. You can be led of the Spirit of God to that new birth experience. You can be born again. You can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. It's not just going through a prayer though people have been saved that way. It's not just saying some words, though people have prayed some words to receive Christ. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's rolling yourself over on Jesus Christ. It's putting your trust and dependence in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the one who came from heaven who is God. I'm talking about the one who never sinned himself. I'm talking about the one who gave himself as the Lamb of God on the cross of Calvary. I'm talking about the one who said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm talking about the one who dismissed his spirit. I'm talking about the one they took down off the cross and they put in a borrowed tomb. I'm talking about the one Even though they sealed that tomb after three days and three nights, the stone was rolled away and He moved out of that place. He didn't need to stay there and He rose from the dead. He walked among men for 40 days, was seen of them, and then He ascended to the right hand of the Father where He's ever making intercession for you and for me. I'm talking about that Jesus. I'm talking about my King Jesus. I'm talking about the one who is in charge, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just something about that name if you haven't come to Him. Today is your opportunity. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. His work was finished. It's done. It's completed. And all He does now in His continuing ministry is make intercessions for you and me. That's it. Don't be foolish. Say, well, preacher, I didn't get up this morning and say I want to be the biggest fool. Then don't be him. Don't be her. Determined by the grace of God. I'm not going to be a fool. I am not going to be foolish. I'm going to follow just like the Magi followed. I'm going to follow just like the Bible says. That's what wise people do. And please notice. They followed that star till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Young child now with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. They didn't worship the family. They didn't worship the mother. They worshiped the young child. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, before this happened, in Luke chapter 2, they had already been to the temple on the eighth day to do as they always did with Jewish boys. And they took him to the temple and presented him. And there they had that encounter with Simeon and with Anna. And you know what I'm talking about. But to give an offering, a person of means would offer a bullock or offer a lamb. They would offer some, some animal as a sacrifice for the new child, in behalf of the new child. But instead they were poor. They offered a poor person's offering. They offered those birds instead. They were poor. You see, the wise men hadn't gotten there yet. And they brought in the gold. And they laid it down. Very few people, I doubt if anyone here, but perhaps someone has, has ever held a gold bar in your hand. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of rent. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of anything. A gold bar. They carried in the gold and set it down and opened it up. You say, oh, they were, they were trying to buy their way to heaven. No, they weren't. They were coming to see the king. To worship him. King Jesus. See this gold? You know what that means? You're the king! Jesus, you're the king! Little child, two years old, perhaps. You're the king! You're King Jesus! You're in charge! Here's your gold! You're in charge! You're not only in charge, you're God! You're God in a body! There's your gold! That's what that says. And they brought the frankincense. And they opened it up. And the aroma filled that house. And Mary and Joseph said, it's just like in the temple. It's just like in the temple. See, when Jesus comes, we've got the king. We've got God in the body. And now we've got the great high priest, Jesus Christ. And every one of us in this dispensation, we're now kings and priests as well. We get to share in this. Jesus brings us along. Frankincense. Smells like worship. Smells like the temple. That's what it is. And guess who makes it all right? It's not by my works of righteousness which I have done, but according to His mercy. We got the gold. We got the frankincense. And then one more gift, and out He comes. With the myrrh. Oh, not that. Not that. Not the myrrh. Not the myrrh. You know what the myrrh is? Myrrh is a wonderful Medicinal thing, by the way. If you haven't tried it, got a sniffle, try the myrrh. It'll, It'll help you. But the myrrh, the myrrh, bitters, bitters, death, sacrifice. Yes, that's King Jesus. He's about two years old. Yes, He's the King. Yes, He came from heaven. That's God in a body. And yes, He is the great high priest. And He is going to be the one who intercedes for us. There's one mediator between God and man. And it's not the priest down at the corner. There's one mediator between God and man. He's the man, Christ, Jesus. Oh, but the bitters, the myrrh, not that, not that. And there's mom right there by him. And a foreboding comes over her. And the day will come when she'll stand at the foot of the cross and she'll look up at her son who'll be hanging on that cross, shedding his blood, giving his life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that message is still good. And i got news for the world. I've got news for the devil. I've got news for this old flesh that wants to hold us back. We're not going to stop telling. We're going to tell it as long as we can tell it. As long as we have breath. You say, oh, they'll drag you out of this pulpit. They'll lock you up. They'll put you away. Well, I've got a good example in the Scripture, in the Apostle Paul, when they locked him up. He was was chained to a Roman soldier. Guess what he did? They had to keep changing out those soldiers. Do you know why they had to change out those soldiers? He kept winning them to Jesus. They put my brother, Lester Roloff, in jail down in Texas five times for the high crime of obeying Jesus and having a home for troubled boys and girls and young people without a state license saying he was okay. Jesus already said he's okay. They put him in there five times, sometimes for a week at a time. And finally they'd have to kick him out every time. Do you know why they kicked him out? Because he was winning everybody to Jesus. Wherever we are, we take the gospel. Wherever you go, you take Jesus Christ with you. You take him to the market. I don't care where you go and how you go, but when you go, you take Jesus with you. That's it. Wise men still seek Him. Jesus. Jesus. There's just something about that name. A professing believer ought to want to please the Lord. To allow Him to live through him or her. To live through our life. We sing a chorus. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask to be like Him. What do we choose on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis? We choose either to allow Jesus to have His will and His way through our life, or we choose to run our own life. That qualifies us for a fool. When we allow Him to live through us, that qualifies us for being wise. There's only one who can live my life wisely, and that's Jesus. If I live my life, like Jesus talked about a choice whosoever, whosoever, remember, you got a choice or the other. I can't live my life unless Jesus lives through me. Otherwise, I live the life of a fool. The choices I make are the choices of a fool. Are you listening to me right now? You got to let Jesus Christ have your heart, save your soul, and then you've got to give Him your choices. You got to give Him your schedule. You got to give Him your relationships. You got to give Him your checkbook. You got to give Him your life. You got to let Him live your life. Or guess what? Your life, at least a portion of it, will be lived as a fool. You have a choice right now to say, I'm done with that junk. I'm not going to live the life of a fool. I'm not going to have the choices of a fool. I'm going to let Jesus make choices through me. Ms. Cowman, great devotional writer. Wife of a missionary to Japan who passed away and then wrote devotional books. Speaks about the foolishness of common sense. Common sense, if common sense had been followed, the Magi would have never left Babylon. Common sense says we've just got to take care of ourselves and just, just uh, we're not going to take that harrowing trip all the way around the Fertile Crescent. We're not going to follow that star. Follow a star. Follow a star. You ever have anybody say, what? Follow what the, follow what the Bible says? Follow what that Scripture says? Why, you're a fool. Wrong. The person who doesn't follow the Bible is the fool. And Paul said, he's a fool for Christ. I like the sandwich board sign I saw on a fellow on the street. Because people were mocking him, he had it made up, and he said, Ah, yes, I'm a fool for Jesus. And then it says, whose fool are you? Whose fool are you? Evangelist Hal Webb said there's a ruler of Christian living. Just picture a yardstick. Here are some things you got to ask when you're making your choices. Number one, is it of the world? Is it of the world? If you follow a certain way because it's what the world says, then you're a fool. Excuse me. If I follow the world then I'm a fool. A fool. In the sword of the Lord back in 2015, Dr. Bob Bevington writes, and now he's with Jesus, by the way, what worldliness will do to a Christian. A lot of worldliness is in our churches today. That's true. You know, people say, well, just like the good book says, uh, God helps those who help themselves that's not in the Bible. That teaching isn't in the Bible. It's just like the good book says, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's a good principle, but it's not in the Bible. There are people that think because somebody said it, whether I don't care if it was Shakespeare or somebody on the news, they think it's God's Word. That's not God's Word. you got to read it for yourself. Someone rightly said, the world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly that we have a hard time distinguishing the difference. Boy, isn't that the truth. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't be motivated, driven, directed by this sinful world system that tries to cram you into its mold and make you follow you know, lockstep with whatever they say. You don't have to make what the world says you've got to make. You don't have to go where the world says you've got to go. You don't have to do what the world says you've got to do. You don't have to say what the world says that you need to say. I'm telling you right now, we get our orders from headquarters, and King Jesus in the New Jerusalem is is our commander-in-chief. He's the one who tells us. Ask yourself when you're making your choices. You want to be a fool, or do you want to be wise? Ask, is it of the world? The love of the world, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the first pastor of the church at Jerusalem, you know what he said? The love of the world is spiritual adultery. That's it. Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We need to get our focus right. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. Number one thing, folks out there, Everybody that's here, everybody who will be viewing or listening to this podcast or whatever, whenever you get this word, I want you to know right now, the very first thing you've got to do before you do anything else is get on your knees or sit down or show some kind of respect for God and say, Lord, I'm lost. I can't save myself without you. I need Jesus to come in and thoroughly and radically and completely save me from the inside out. And when you do that, Now you're in a position to say, "All right, Lord, every single day I want you to live through me. See, He can't live through a lost person. He's not going to do that. But a saved person who humbles and offers himself or herself to God will make wise choices when Jesus is making those choices. Number two. Number two. Ask this question. Will whatever the choice is hurt my body or grieve the spirit? Your body and my body, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body belongs to Him. It's bought with a price. I'm told in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 to grieve not the Spirit of God. I'm told that when I do things willfully against His purpose for my body, for my life, I grieve. I grieve the Spirit. I know, according to Galatians chapter 6, if I sow to the flesh, it's going to bring corruption. And that corruption is going to touch me and touch the lives of those around me and it's going to be a problem for a lot of people and I need to get away from that, I need to separate from that and if I'm a believer, if I claim to be a born again child of God I need to answer the question affirmatively uh, it's not going to hurt my body, it's not going to grieve the spirit because it's lined up with the perfect will of God. Number three, Hal Webb said here's the question you've got to answer, will it hurt my testimony? Now a fool doesn't care about his or her testimony. They're just going to say whatever they want to say. Talk to people like that this week. I'm just going to run on the mouth. Just, just do what they want to do. Just go ahead and do it. And afterwards, you know, and look around and see how much they busted up and how much they broke and how much... You've got to get a big bottle of glue to put it back together. People will just run on where their emotions go wild, where their feelings go wild. Their mouth will run... They're they're things that they say and do. They'll they'll feel bad about it later on, but they've done some damage. My testimony, people are looking at me. Hey, he said he's a Christian. He said he knows Jesus. He says King Jesus lives in his body and lives in his life. And he's yielded to him. Let's watch and see how he reacts to this situation. How he reacts to that situation. Does Does he treat it like Jesus would treat it? Do we go where Jesus would go and say it? As Jesus would say it, do we we conduct ourselves like Jesus would? My Bible tells me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to abstain from all appearance of evil. If it even looks wrong, if it even seems wrong, whatever I do, I ought to be able to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ought to be able to put His stamp of approval on it. If it's doubtful, I should not do it. Let me just add this to to what Brother Hal Webb said as the measuring stick of how we determine our life and choices. And are we going to be a fool or are we going to be wise? Let me add this. Ask yourself this question about whatever it is that you're thinking about or considering Does it improve my opportunities for winning people for heaven, winning souls to Christ? So I'm going to go to such such an activity. Can you soul win there? I'm going to go and do this and that and the other. Is is it something you can soul win simultaneously? I I can't even imagine some places where Christians say they go and even think that they have the opportunity to be a soul winner or witness there. In most cases, they want to be under the radar. This is how they want to be. Under the radar. They don't want anybody to know they're Christian. When they go to that place or they do that thing or they participate in that activity, they want to be under the radar. Oh, I'm a Christian. You're an under-the-radar Christian. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Wise. There it is. Wise. It was not good common sense for those wise men to leave Babylon. It was not good common sense for them to travel that harrowing trip. It was not good common sense for them to do what they did to bring all that gold and give it to a child and and bow down and worship that child and take their chances with wicked Herod who killed his own family members and would not have blinked at killing them. But they did it. Not good common sense. Oh, no, 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 no. But they walked by faith, not by sight. There are a lot of compromising Christians and compromising churches and compromising groups saying, now nah, preacher, you're not going to start criticizing people. No, it's not the purpose of this preacher to waste the time of this broadcast just to pick on somebody that might have a great big show, a great big program as a celebrity or big name or whatever. But there are a whole lot of people and even after you've been there, and you've asked a lot of questions, and you've read all the literature, you can't figure who in the world or what they are. If you can walk into a religious place, and it is not obvious that they are whatever, whatever, let me tell you, we are born again, Bible-believing, independent Baptists, not ashamed of where we came from, who we are, or what our forefathers died for. And the fact that anybody can go anywhere in this country and they can promote any kind of religious activity that they want to under heaven. I mean, they can say anything they want to. If they want to worship that pole over there, they can worship that pole. And they have the right to do that is because there were some Baptists back in Rhode Island in the 1600s who established a pattern that eventually became the pattern for the entire colonies and eventually the United States of America as a brand new nation with the um, amendments to the Constitution, the first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights. And it was because some Bible-believing Baptist said, we know who we believe, we know what we believe, and nobody's going to change us. However, we'll die for your right to be wrong. However, we'll also die for our right to tell you that you're wrong. And that's the kind of Baptist I am. How about that? Did you know that? That's the kind of Baptist we are. Anybody can believe anything they want to. And I'll die for their right to believe anything as long as they don't hurt somebody. By the same token, I will die for the right to tell them that they're wrong and Jesus is still the answer. I am not going to be unambiguous. Say, preacher, i got to go home and look that up. Please do. Sometimes there's in your face modernism or liberalism. And sometimes there's this under the radar stuff. Under the radar. God help them. Man, I want to set off all the radar detectors. And when I do, they'll see he believes the book from cover to cover. There's a fellow out in the west coast. He says, well, the the King James Bible is okay for about, except for about four or five glitches. And kind of dryly I said to him, and Doc, why don't you go get yourself a glitchless Bible? This is a glitchless Bible. There are no mistakes in it. It's the Word of God. My King James Bible, when I squeeze it, out comes the blood of the martyrs. People who gave their lives so that we might have a book that's perfect. So our life could be ordered. So that we could be wise men and wise women and wise kids. Amen. I was going to say wise guys, but we don't need any more wise guys. On the way in, by the way, on the way out, you can pick up your latest copy of Acts and Facts by ICR. There's a picture of uh, a pterosaur, like a pterodactyl, a pterosaur. Now, anybody knows anything about cartoons and and. Dinosaurs, I'm told, they understand what a pterodactyl is. And it's interesting to me that the world has just come out with this thing that uh, they couldn't figure out where pterodactyls came from, where pterosaurs came from. So they found this two-legged dinosaur, and they say about 80 million years ago, that two-legged dinosaur grew wings and took off, and guess what? He's a pterosaur. Wrong. God created everything. Jesus Christ spoke everything into existence in six 24-hour days about 6,000 years ago and gave it the appearance of age. You know, by the time these guys are looking around, they're, they're looking for the crater of the meteor that struck the earth that wiped out all the dinosaurs. They're still hunting that. Well, there's all kinds of them. Have you not been in the desert? Have you not been around? You can find lots of craters, lots of places. There's even a lake in California called Crater Lake. Well, of course, that became a crater not because of what struck it, but because of what the volcano that blew out of there. But these people are not wise. Acts and Facts just happened to have an article simultaneously with this new supposed finding by the evolutionists and it says it says pterosaurs didn't have feathers. So dinosaurs didn't become birds. And We've got the scientific evidence there. Now, do you know why these scientists, they go to school a long time, I'm talking about Christian, born again, saved people that are scientists. You know how they can figure these things out? Because they haven't got their brains pickled by the world system. They're not confused by these folks that say, oh, this is education, this is education, this is education. When you take God out of it, education makes wise devils. When you put Jesus Christ in the middle of it, we understand how everything came to be, and why it is the way it is. And the mess we're in, whatever mess you may be thinking of, whatever mess I'm thinking of, there's plenty of mess to go around. That mess is there because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's it. That's it. And we we don't need more humanist, godless, so-called education. We need biblical training. My Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We spent 30-plus years in Christian education in our churches previously. We've got kids that are now adults, and they've got kids. And every once in a while, they'll contact us and say, Preacher, I remember every morning in school, you would spend 30 minutes going through the book of Proverbs with us. Every Morning. You say, was that wasted time? No, it wasn't. Because no matter how far they get, no matter where they go, they can still hear my voice. They can still, they memorized large portions. Some of them memorized the entire book of Proverbs. Good idea. Good idea. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. There it is. There it is. There is nothing wrong with this nation with its educational system, or with the world, in fact, that couldn't be solved by a good old-fashioned dose of this book. I'm talking about this is wisdom. And I read huh, in the third chapter of the 13th verse of the book of Proverbs that that man that, gets, that finds wisdom is happy. I, I run into a lot of unhappy people. Some of them say they're Christians. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, wise men still seek Him. Thank you, Debbie, for the beautiful, uh, the, the lovely decorations and the placard down front says, wise men still seek Him. Our bulletin says, wise men still seek Him. I didn't get up this morning and ask to be a big fool, and neither did you, but let's not be one, amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Put your hand up high. Let me see it right now. Something spoke to my heart. amen, amen. Put your hand down. Now, what are you willing to do with respect to this One who is our wisdom, this One that will help us, that will live through us, live out of our life? Are you willing to surrender all? How many of you that claim to be saved right now will say by lifting your hands, I'm lifting mine. I I want to surrender every moment of every hour of every day. I want to surrender. Let Jesus live through my life. I want Jesus to make my choices and decisions and order my life. Raise your hand if that's the case. I want Jesus to live through my life and make my choices and make my decisions. Amen. Amen. And then we'll be wise, you see. We'll be seeking Him. Amen. Amen. If you couldn't raise your hand, or if you've not been saved, let me tell you right now, you need to get saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart right now? Something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe Jesus died for me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, every head is bowed, But you prayed that prayer and you meant it. Young or old, would you slip your hand up right now? I prayed that prayer and I meant it.